go live and ladies and gentlemen we are now live welcome to a conversation with floyd marshall and this evening i am accompanied by a very special guest <laughs> jessica tanner and she calls herself the script surgeon and she is the owner of the right script consulting services where she coaches screenwriters before they send their projects out to movie studios, production companies, competitions, and more. And she is actually the first script surgeon or script doctor that I've had on the show. Normally I have um, the heads of, pro of, of production companies, um, things of that nature, but I wanted to switch it up a little bit because before you get to that point where you're, talking to a studio head before you're talking to the owner of the production company, Jessica is someone that you should be talking to because having your script the right way, having it formatted the right way, having everything in place is extremely important. And that's what actually gets you the meeting with those studio heads and with those production people. Welcome to a conversation with where we sit down with some amazing people in the film, media and entrepreneurial space. We're going to talk about what makes them successful and hopefully we'll give you something to help you maximize your business but more importantly, to maximize your life. So sit back and enjoy a conversation with, and I'm your host, Floyd Marshall Jr. So Jessica, welcome to the show. Introduce yourself and let everybody yeah. know who you are. Thank you. My name is Jessica Tanner. I go by the script surgeon. And just like Floyd said, I'm the owner of the Right Script Consulting Services. I launched a about a year ago, I just celebrated my first year anniversary, awesome. super happy, met a lot of great writers and just continuing. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. So we're going to take this back a little bit. How did you get started? Was, was writing something that you always wanted to do? Yes. Even as a little girl, I used to write just short stories for fun. And even in high school, I was that person that would just write stories in my notebook. I would do it just for enjoyment. And then when I got to college, I became curious about screenwriting. And it wasn't until my junior year of college, I took an intro to screenwriting course and I absolutely fell in love with it. I was super green though. I had no idea what I was doing. I tried to write my first script in Microsoft Word and Ouch. my professor was like, don't ever do that again. Mm. <laughs> That's why now when I get clients and they're like, oh, well, I'm writing it in Microsoft. I'm like, don't do that. Please don't do that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, because you're causing more of a headache mm -hmm. trying to write in Microsoft Word because then you have to figure out the margins and all that extra tedious stuff. And it takes away from you focusing on the story because now you're focused on the mechanics of how it's supposed to look. Yeah. And, and I would, I would imagine that 
because I've I've heard of people trying to write in Microsoft Word and it's you, it's it's tedious you, and hard enough to write in yeah. a regular script um software but you're you're doing double the work because it's not formatted correctly so now you have to kind of <laughs> eyeball it and say is this right is that is that margin good is that is that exactly. right <laughs> So, yeah. so do you and, and ever get, you can, but no. okay. So do you ever, when someone sends you a script with you being a script <laughs> consultant and a script doctor, and I'm sure you've seen all kinds of scripts, do you ever get anyone sending you a script in word? I got that once. And it wasn't when I had my own business. It was when I was still working as a judge for a screenplay competition last year. Mm -hmm. And I had to send it back to my boss because I really couldn't read it. I didn't know what was going on. It was just all over the place. And they tried to reach out to the writer. And they said, is there a way that you can send it to us in a PDF or in a script formatted document and he was like well I always write them this way in words so he was automatically disqualified and so because we couldn't we had no way of really reading and understanding what he was trying to say so what made you want to start your company what what was the reasoning behind that I really enjoyed the development process, really connecting with other writers and breaking down a story and figuring out what's not working and what is working and coming up with solutions. And it was really back in 2016 that I began doing coverage for the first time, but it was always for other people, like different platforms like Coverfly and different production companies. And my first internship in the industry was at Cinelu Films. And that's where I really got the hang of doing like three coverages a day for people and really just going down like the entire (laughs) pile of scripts that they had. Because people think I'm exaggerating. These companies get piles of scripts and people are like, oh, you know, they're not reading my script like right when I send it to them. I'm like, do you know how many piles of scripts they have they have so many that's why they have interns that's why they have readers and people like that to delegate it to but my real um, moment where I fell in love with just doing script coverage and development work was when I started working for Coverfly the only thing I didn't like was that I didn't really get to connect with writers like I do now in my own business it was more like I would do coverage for them and my boss was kind of a go between. Mm -hmm. So they would tell me, Oh yeah, we loved your notes, but I would hear it from my boss. I never got to have like a one-on-one session with them. It was just, they would get my notes, but now I can do calls with people. We can get on zoom and we can talk about any questions they have after I send them the coverage. And it's even better that way. Okay, so basically, when I, uh, from what I'm gathering, one of the, the main reasons that you started the right script consulting services was mm-hmm. because you wanted it to be more of a personal interaction yes. with the person that was actually sending you the script. But let's rewind that a little bit because you were you were talking about the fact that there are piles and piles of scripts. 
that these companies get sent. So having been someone that did coverage and having been a reader, what would you tell someone that is about to write a script, the, 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 the novice, the first timer, or even the seasoned writer that is looking to get their script optioned because basically that's what all writers are looking to do is to get their scripts optioned. So with you having been in the room, you, you had access. So what would you say to a screenwriter that thinks that their script is that script, but having seen piles and piles of people thinking that, well, my script is that script. So what would you tell those writers? What, how, how would you have them approach the screenwriting process so that if I did pick up a script out of that massive pile, that yours would be the one that I would read after the 10th page? Oh, I love this question. This is a great question. So I often tell writers, and this is the answer, Spend time revising and creating your own unique voice as a writer and making it as authentic as possible because a lot of writers don't understand that the first draft of anything is never perfect. And a lot of writers make the mistake of not revising and they just go off of the first draft and they send it out to people. Like they they send it to production companies, they send it to managers, agents, they send it to production companies, not realizing that the script needs more work. It's not a bad concept or a bad idea. It's just, it needs more character development. Maybe there's plot holes within the story So I would say embrace the revising process because every seasoned writer will tell you, I'm not a good writer. I'm a great rewriter. Mm. And that's really what it's all about. That's why they have that phrase writing is rewriting because 99.9% of it is rewriting and revising. Hmm. Hmm. And you know, I agree with that because I remember years ago when I, when I was actually writing and producing my own content, you know, films and screenplays, I wrote wrote this script and I still have it (laughs) called deceptions, blood in and blood out. And I thought it was, of course I thought it was good. And I sent it to people and they thought it was good. I said, okay, well let me send it to the pros. So I actually sent it to a screenwriting contest and they tore it up one side and down the other. But here's the thing. Now, initially, now, ladies and gentlemen, I I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. Initially, I was very upset with the feedback. Who do they think they are? They don't know what they're talking about. That was me and my feelings. But then the professional me said, stop, take a step back. Look at what they (laughs) wrote. Yeah, a wusa. Look at what they wrote. (laughs) Now. Once I took the Wusa and I and I took that breath and I reread what they had written, I could not disagree with anything on that page. So then what I did was took their suggestions because they said the bones are good, but it needs work. Just like you said, it needs work. It needs mm-hmm. revisions. It needs rewrites. So I went back and rewrote a lot of that script took out a lot of words that were not necessary 
took out a lot of things that were not necessary and then sent it back out to people. And they all said to a person, I could not put it down. But you have to listen. And you have to be willing to take the and I won't even call it criticism, but a critique is what I would call it. So what would you say to that? Oh, I totally agree with you on that. And the thing about taking a critique, a lot of people try to avoid that as much as possible because I didn't really run into this until I started my business. I've had clients before, and this isn't just one person. This is like several people who have done this. They've gotten coverage from me paid money for this. And I check in with them because I always follow up with people like, hey, how did you make out with the notes? Are you confused? Do you want to set up a Zoom? And I had a person after like five months tell me, oh, I still can't bring myself to look at the notes. And I was like, but but you paid for it. They were like, yeah, but I just, I, I've never really been critiqued before. And it, the thought of it makes me nervous. And I'm like, but you paid for this. So it kind of blew my mind like that you would pay for something only to not use it. I was kind of like, huh? (laughs) Yeah. I never believed that until I had my own business. And I was like, people are out here doing that, but okay. And then I, it prompted me to really have a clubhouse room about it and an Instagram live about it. And I had to tell my audience that you guys critiques are never going to stop. Even when you get to be a TV staff writer, somebody is going to give you notes. Even when you're a feature writer and you get consistent writing assignments. I interviewed a writer about a month and a half ago. She just got her first paid gig. She has to answer to those producers and they give her notes. I mean, it's never going to stop. And if you're somebody that says, I can't do notes, then... I mean, I hate to discourage people, but I want to be real. Then maybe it's not for you if you just can't handle notes. And this is with any artistic medium. I mean, I've taken a painting class and I'm not that good. I was taking it for fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But what we would do in that class, and this is when I was in college, it was kind of like in a writer's room. You know, you have your little critique, you sit in a circle and you evaluate what's not working. It's like that in an art class, like, oh, you know, you could have contrasted those colors better. Those brush strokes could have been a little cleaner. Same thing. It's the same, same thing. And a lot of people are like, oh no, I don't believe in getting coverage. I don't believe in getting notes from anybody. And I'm like, and when people say that it it scares me, because I'm like, even when you get you know, like really quote unquote successful and break into the industry, somebody is going to give you notes. Like I cannot stress that somebody yeah. is going to give you notes. Yeah. And and it's so true. I was listening to a podcast. Um wow, Bulletproof Screenwriting, Alex Ferrari. It's a it's a phenomenal podcast that I listen to. And he has a lot of veteran uh industry screenwriters on there and they talk about the fact that sometimes their scripts will have a script doctor. Mm-hmm. It, it is what it is because, you know, the studio says, okay, we want to bring in some fresh eyes and we want to, you know, put a little zhuzh or something else on it. And, you know, you'll still get credit, but 
this other person is going to be basically, for lack of a better term, ghostwriting on your right. script. It is what it is. Nothing and wrong with that. No, it, it's you know what? It's a part of it's a part of the uh, the business. And if that is something that you cannot wrap your head around, then as you said, this is not the business for you because your first draft, as you said earlier, is never, ever the best draft. And if, if you're a writer, you need to understand that because I've written things. And, you know, when I was when I was doing plays, I'll go back a little bit. When I was doing plays, my cast members would get mad at me because they would say, Floyd, leave it alone. Because I would always be going over it in my head. And I'm saying, oh, I could add this. I, I could take away that. And they would be like, look, um, we're, we're studying. You, you sent it out. Leave it alone. I said, like, but you know what? This would be so much better. Leave it alone. So you're always revising. You're always revising. And if you're talking studio, if you're talking studio, oh, they're about God. that money. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, they're investing and in all this stuff. The network, I mean, the network is going to give you notes and their notes might even be harder to understand than let's say my notes right. because I'm coming at it as another creative, as a writer. Whereas the people who are like industry executives, they're in the industry, but they're not quote unquote creatives like you and I. So their notes might even be harder to dissect. Yeah, speak about that a little bit, because I was listening to an interview that mm -hmm. you did and you were talking about the fact that someone I'm not going to say the network, they gave you some <laughs> notes and you just did not understand what they were saying. And it was interesting when I was listening to that, I said, I wonder if that's why so many films are just not good. Because you're they're they're coming at it from the standpoint of how much money can I make on this? Right. As opposed to how good of a story can we tell? Yeah, because I tell writers this a lot that once you get to a certain level, you're going to get a lot of notes that may or may not make sense. They might be really vague. They might not even really be telling you what the real issue is. And it really forces you to look at the note behind the note. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase before. Um, it was a rewrite client. And this is when I had my business. This was about three months ago or four months ago, I think. And he sent me the notes that the studio sent back to him. And I was reading it like, yeah, I see why you're confused. And they were like, yeah, you know, make it more interesting, make it pop and all this vague stuff. And I, and I took it as, okay, they're telling me to make it more interesting. I should elevate the conflict, maybe raise the stakes. And I went with that. That was just my intuition. And I revised it, sent it back to my client. He sent it back to them. And then I followed up with him like, hey, is there an issue? Did they like it? Or are there any more notes they have? And he said, no, they like the changes. Everything's good. And I was like, see, but they didn't say elevate the conflict, raise the stakes. 
I had to really like guess what they were trying to say. And after you get so many notes, it's kind of a skill you pick up on. So that's another thing for writers to learn how to recognize what they're really trying to say and trying to decipher that corporate language that they might use. So <laughs> there's a lot of that going on. And it's funny you say that, Floyd, like, you know, why are some films not quote unquote good or quality? And I feel like that's another reason behind it that a lot of the time the people with the money, they're not necessarily creatives. They happen to be executives that work in the creative industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that plays a huge role in that. And I also think that getting notes, especially when you're in the beginner stage, you're training yourself on how to revise, how to read notes, how to understand and apply the notes. So I would consider it training. Don't look at it as a failure because we all get notes. I've gotten notes. I've gotten horrible notes in my life. <laughs> and I, I remember I felt like you in that moment, like, what, what do you mean my story's not? But then I was like, okay, let me be mature. Let me read what they're really trying to tell me. And then I was like, okay, they have a point. <laughs> yeah. And and nine times out of 10, they do. Yeah. Like they have a point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like with mine, I said, okay, well, you know what? Yeah. That, you know what? No, that didn't make sense. You know what? Yeah. You could have changed that. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about page count and white space. Oh, good one. White space, because <laughs> uh, my my main film festival, we had a screenplay category and we had some some really good judges judging our screenplays. And the one thing that I learned, because I'm a voracious reader, um, I don't I don't write scripts anymore, but I still um, read a lot on, you know, how to write scripts and, you know, uh, what needs to, you know, be done to have a good script because you, you, you really you need to be knowledgeable of all of that type of stuff, especially when you're talking to someone who does it for a living. You kind of have to sound like you know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. So white space is one thing that I learned. And as I would read scripts, sometimes I would just want to scream because I would say to myself, white space, white space, white space. And why are you sending me a 150 page script? Not understanding that you may think this is a, and I'm going back because I know you're very young, but I'm going to go back a little bit, folks. A Cecil B. DeMille's classic. Do you know who Cecil B. DeMille's is? No, I was about to ask who's that. Okay. I went way back. If Wait, you look, I was like, I have yes. no idea. Yes, look up Cecil B. DeMille. Um, guys, the Ten Commandments. Okay. Have you ever seen the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston? Yeah. Cecil B. DeMille's. Oh. Yeah. So I okay. I love those old movies. Uh, the Ben Hur, Spartacus, things like that. Back. Right. It is not a Cecil B. DeMille epic film. It is not a three-hour. So, and you don't have and you don't have that pedigree. And and let's let's bring it to the let's bring it to the present. You don't have David Fincher type of pedigree. Mm -hmm. You do not. So your first script, and I, and I was listening, again, I was listening to your, your interview 
when you talked about the 200 page script? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. And see the thing that people confuse, they confuse what I do with like an industry exec. They're like, how come you read my whole thing and I sent it to the exec and he didn't read it. I said, because he's not getting paid to read it. Mm-hmm. I said, look, I will read it and I will give you notes and I will provide a quality service because that's my job. But an industry exec, that's not necessarily in their job description to do that. And they're not going to go around and around trying to figure out now, what is that writer trying to say? Now, what did he mean? They don't have that kind of time. And that's what I really keep trying to drive home to writers. And they're like, well, why can't I have a comedy that's 200 pages? I'm like, because it's a comedy. I'm like, trust me, you don't want it to be that long. No, because you know what? You don't want someone sitting there saying this could have ended a half an hour ago. Right. That part. And the thing with Coverfly, too, this is something like a secret that I revealed in my clubhouse room back when I was a reader for them. And it benefited me as a reader getting paid, but it doesn't benefit the writer. Anytime we had somebody that would send in a script that was above page count, like 200 pages or something crazy, I got paid extra. Mm. And I don't think a lot of people know that. They don't think that the page count factors in. It factors in. And I told people that they were like, what do you mean you got paid more? I'm like, I got paid more because of the page count, how much I had to read. And then the coverage I had to do on there, which was probably like eight to 10 pages of notes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, what did you, what were you about to say? I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I was done. You're good. Yeah. So, so I was in the room. So let's, let's talk about, um, but before we do that, I want to talk about the business aspect because if you've ever been in a room that I've done on clubhouse, you know, that's one of my main things, business. And I've listened to you talk about the business and oftentimes a lot of the creatives, they don't they don't tie those things together. They're they're solely concentrated on the creative side of of the equation, not understanding that the business side is extremely important so that when you get into a 200 page script, no one is going to make that unless you're a Quentin Tarantino or an Antoine Fuqua, because they understand that if Quentin makes a 200 page script, People are going to go see that film because he has a proven track record, but he had to earn that because when, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you talk about that. When you're talking about a 200 page script now, I, I want to I want you to if, if you can to approach this from the mindset of a producer. Okay. When they're looking at a 200 page script, what are they seeing when they when they see a two? And I'm just I'm just throwing that number out there. 150 page script, uh, a 200 page script. What does a producer who may be interested in making a film? What do they see when they see that amount of pages? They see something that is not going to have a high ROI or return on investment. 
and they see a lot of unnecessary scenes that more than likely don't need to be there. And then if you're talking about the budget, depending on what genre it is, whether it's animated or live action, depending on whether or not you're filming at, let's say, a hospital or a school or... I don't know, another expensive location, the airport, places like that, that you have to rent out. Because we as writers, we don't really think about that as much. We're thinking, oh, yeah, this is how I see it. This is my vision. But we're not thinking, wait a minute, there's a budget. Who's going to pay for that? Who's going to pay for us to be able to rent out that space in that hospital and rent out all that equipment, the costume design, actor pay, all that stuff. It goes into effect. And then on top of that, if it's a script that is 200 pages, you're already way above page limit, which already disqualifies you. Then if you have formatting that's not right on top of that, it confuses production. Like, in the beginning, when you introduce a speaking character for the first time, you have to capitalize them to let production know, hey, this is a new character being introduced into the story, which means another actor that we have to pay. So it goes deep. It's real deep on a business side of things. It's real deep on the creative side. But on another note, that's why a lot of people get into doing animated scripts because it's a little bit cheaper. Mm -hmm. You can film or quote unquote film on a tropical island if it's animated versus paying a lot of money to film in, I don't know, Jamaica, (laughs) Bermuda somewhere that's going to be expensive. So it basically it boils down to money. Yes. And I was in a room a few days ago and this this gentleman came to the stage and he had a script mm-hmm. and he said it was 113 pages. It was his first script and he had some pretty good people in this room. Oh and good. they were they were telling him and I mean, you know, major producers, people with television shows. And they they were trying to explain to him why he needed to trim that down. He was a little adamant about the fact that, well, but I think this needs to be here and I think that needs to be there. But this is your first script. This is his first draft. It's your first draft. draft. It was his first draft. And and they were were trying to tell him that there, there are some things that you can cut out. And look, I haven't written a script in a very long time. As a festival curator, I have two festivals. I have a short film festival and I have a major film festival. So I view a lot of film, a lot of film. So viewing those films, when I'm looking at a film and the dialogue is just there to be there, but it is not moving the story forward. I'm going to be quiet because you were about to, you got excited when I said that. You got excited, so I'm going to let you talk. You got really excited. You, Yeah, because I had to learn this, too, when I was new to screenwriting, because I thought what a lot of people think. They think that dialogue is just like what you and I are doing, but this isn't a screenplay. This right. is real life. We're just having a regular, normal, everyday conversation. But in a screenplay, the dialogue has to be there for a reason. And they can't just be talking at each other and talking at each other. And it's on the nose. 
prose and there's no subtext and we're not going off their mannerisms and it's not dramatized. So all that goes into account. And I'm also going to say something here that's revolutionary. You don't need, you don't necessarily need dialogue to have a killer scene. You really don't sometimes. I got this movie my short film festival is late October and someone submitted this short film and they don't say one word. Matter of fact, I got two. I had, I have two. And and the one, the, the, the young man, he is basically running from room to room and he's chasing himself. He's his, his, he's chasing him and It's crazy. I said, wow. The other one, the woman, basically, she dances the entire film. And it was beautiful. The film was so good that as soon as it was over, I got up. My wife was in the other room and I went in the other room and I said, I just saw a film. I said, that film's in my film festival. I said, she didn't say one word. But her movement was so beautiful. The soundtrack was so beautiful. And you saw and she did it in her house and she was like mixing a cake. And then in other scenes, you saw her family. You saw her husband. You saw her 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 uh, her little daughter. And it was just beautiful. She did not say one thing. She didn't open. She just danced. And it was beautiful. So both of those films are are going to be in the film festival and no one uttered a word. Hey, everybody, it's Floyd Marshall, host of A Conversation With. Have you ever listened to a podcast and said to yourself, I'd like to ask him a question? Well, you can just message me with a question or a comment. And I'll make sure to respond to it in the very next episode. To your success. Visit anchor.com to send Floyd a question. See, and a lot of people, and I'll admit, when I was totally new, I thought, what? Of course you need dialogue, but you really don't. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the TV show, This Is Us. Love it. I love that show. I can't remember what episode it was. It was in the previous season. I think it was when Kevin was about to go to the hospital because his girlfriend was about to have the twins and he was on his way there. And on the side of the road, there was a car that had turned over in a ditch. And in that whole scene, it was the teaser before it went right into the episode. Mm. No dialogue. car about to catch on fire, turned over in a ditch and then goes to the opening credits. And that's enough to hook people in. You didn't even need to say a word because we see the conflict right there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, some of my favorite films and in certain scenes, they're not talking. Braveheart with Mel Gibson, uh, the last battle where the uh, the prince of Scotland betrayed him and he just sat down in the grass. 
I don't know if you saw that film, but he yeah, just he just sat it. down in the grass. <laughs> he just sat down in the grass, and his his facial expressions told you everything. And he didn't open his mouth. And another really good one, and I'm going back a very long time. Ben Hur was it Ben Hur? I think it was Ben Hur. And in the scene, Charlton Heston is uh, being taken somewhere, but he's basically a slave and he falls down and it's hot because they're in the Middle East and the, the, he's about to be beaten and and Christ comes past on his road, wherever he was going. They didn't show his face. They just showed the back of his head. And the Roman soldier that was about to beat Charlton Heston raises his hand and then he looks and he puts his hand down. And then Charlton Heston looks up at the character playing crap. No words. That scene is so powerful. Every time I think, every time I see it, it gets me emotional because his face conveyed everything. And I'm saying to myself, every time I see that, I was like, I wish actors got that that you don't have to say anything to get a message across. Babies can't talk, but you understand everything they're saying. Exactly. <laughs> Cause you look at their mannerisms, you look at their facial expressions. And I give that note a lot in my, um, in my notes too, because I also see a lot where people will say things about the characters that, are not able to be filmed. They'll say things like, I'll just use your name as an example. They'll say, Floyd is a nice family man who loves his wife and kids. And it's like, okay, but we can't see that. That's good information for the development phase and for building his character arc. But you have to show that, show that he's a family man that loves his wife and kids. Show him, you know, coming home from work, greeting his wife, you know, hanging out with his kids, helping them with homework. Show that, show him going to work, paying the bills. That'll tell everything, Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to say, oh, well, he's a nice person. It's like, show that. Yeah, and it's interesting. I was at work the other day, and a dad was standing outside with his son at the bus stop, showing uh -huh. him how to catch the bus. See? Now, I couldn't hear a word they were saying, but the dad was pointing, and he was, and the son was, and, oh, I see, see, black dads. Boy, that's, that's what I'm talking about. And I, <laughs> and he, And I didn't hear a word he was saying. But I right. knew the message that he was conveying. And that could be a collage in your film where they don't See? have to talk. But if I come home from work and my wife's cooking dinner and I kiss her on the forehead, that's what I usually do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when my kids were home, because they're both we're empty nesters now. And I would come wow. home and give my kids a kiss, give them a hug. How's your day? You don't necessarily have to hear me say that. But if you see me conveying that. So that could just be a line in your, you know, a little bit of description. You know, dad comes home from work, wife's in the kitchen, gives her a kiss, gives his kids a hugs. Scene. See how simple that was? Scene. There you go. <laughs> Scene. So let's talk a little bit about you because I was, mm -hmm. you know, doing some research. Yeah. I cannot believe that you were Miss Shy. I was. Yeah, I like, was. You I, I, me I, ten yeah. years ago. Okay. 
So, so, so where, where did the change come in? Because now and I see you, you're on Instagram and you do, you do some phenomenal reels. As a matter of fact, we got to talk because I'm still trying to figure out how to put I've the music. I've been so lazy with them this week. I got to get. Me, me, and you, me and you both, if you look, I haven't done one in like four days and I'm saying to myself, I'm off my game. But I mean, things have been going on, but you do, you put out such pertinent information. You put out really, really good information and I always tell people, look, go check her out if 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 that's Aww. if that's your lane, because people I don't know where to get information. It's right there if you look for it. And you also do rooms on Clubhouse, and I was you know fortunate yeah. to uh, have been on the stage with you in one. I have to definitely get back. So so talk a bit about you know um, what made you start doing your reels. And, you know, your 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 Instagram lives and your clubhouse rooms. Yeah, I'm going to be so transparent when it came to doing reels and Instagram lives. I was scared to go live on Instagram like it was around this time last year, around August, when I went live for the first time. I was so nervous, like, oh, what if I go live and nobody comes in there? (laughs) And a few times nobody came in there, but I kept them up there. And now I still have people going back and looking at those old lives like, hey, they're really helping me. Thanks so much for putting that out there. And now I can get on lives no problem because I kept doing it consistently and exercising that muscle. And I tell people all the time because I know what it's like. I used to be shy and, you know, self-conscious about putting myself out there. But if you really want to be out there as a writer or even just as an entrepreneur, you, you have to put yourself out there. And I had to break out of that. Like, okay, I can't be shy anymore. I got to break it. <laughs> And then with the reels, I was like, okay, let me be my authentic self. And that's really how I am. Like when I hear music that I like, you know, I'm dancing when I'm writing, I'm listening to music and I'm dancing. So I'm like, okay, let me just be me. And people love it when I do reels. They're like, oh, I love it when you do these. And I was like, really? Like, it's, it's weird when you hear your audience give feedback, like you like that the most. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, interesting okay yeah and sometimes you you will you will talk yourself out of something that people actually need and and uh one of my favorite people that i go to is david goggins and he actually had a video up a couple of weeks ago and he said stop negotiating with yourself he said very successful people he said very successful people do not negotiate with themselves Mm -hmm. and when he said that i said oh excuse my french folks i said oh shit (laughs) I said, he's absolutely right. He said, very successful people just do it. He said, but you're negotiating with yourself why you can't do it. And when he said that, I said, wow, that is so true. That is so true. It is. You know, and, and the fact that you and see, here's the thing. You had that hidden talent and didn't even know it. Exactly. And you you, I mean, you do something that resonates with people. Yeah. And I was even telling uh, my dad the other day, because he's thinking about starting his own business, getting into like, you know, the catering and the mm-hmm. restaurant industry. And, you know, he's 
how old is he? He's in his 60s. Okay. So I said to him, help you create a social media presence. And he was like, oh, Lord. I said, yeah, you're going to be doing Instagram reels. He was like, what? I was like, <laughs> you'll love it. He's like, uh, I don't need to do this. I can just go and hand out flyers. I'm like, no, you need to go on social media. <laughs> that ain't the way it works anymore, dad. No, um, that's nope. not how it works. no, no. And, and the thing is, you could prepare a dish because I love to cook. And sometimes, you know, I'll, when I'm, when I'm cooking, I'll do a reel and just put mm -hmm. it up and I will get such crazy feedback. There you go. Yeah, exactly. You know. It's people love Instagram reels. They love it. And I even have friends that are trying to like, you know, get into their own lane on social media. One of my best friends, um, she's trying to become a certified life coach. Mm -hmm. And I was telling her, you know, go live, go on Instagram reels. She was like, oh, but I'm shy. I hate, I was like, remember I was shy and I broke out of it. She's like, yeah, but you're not shy anymore. I'm like, you know why I'm not shy anymore? Cause I kept doing right. it. Now I'm used to it. Like now it's just second nature and you keep doing it and doing it. Then you, you, you end up generating a following and people end up looking forward to it. Yeah. It's, it's as with anything else, it's a muscle that you must exercise. Yeah. If you don't use the muscle, the muscle is weak. Hence, uh -huh. you're not going to you're not going to get in front of anyone because the muscle is weak. It's not being used to being used. But the more you use it, the better you get, the stronger you get and the easier it gets. Now, myself, on the other hand, I have never had a problem running my mouth ever. So getting on Instagram <laughs> live and getting in front of people, that was never a problem for me. I, it's just something that I just I just never had a problem doing. But you you talked about. Fear and the overcoming of fear and the just stepping out on faith and just understanding that sometimes you have to do what you have to do because this is how I look at it. What is the worst thing that could happen? People don't show up to your room initially, initially, <laughs> but there's a gentleman on Instagram that I love Brock Johnson. And one of the reasons I really started doing a lot more reels is because of him. His, his mom is Shalene Johnson and she is just amazing. Oh, oh my gosh. Look him up. Amazing free advertisement for him, but they don't need it. But yeah, Brock Johnson and Shalene Johnson, phenomenal people. And Brock had a challenge last month, do uh, 30 reels in 30 days to, to, you know, up your engagement. But I say that to say his thing is you got to do it because what's the worst thing that could happen? Because he talked about the fact that you may do a reel and only two people look at it today. And I actually had this happen. I put up a reel and I'm, I'm real big on my numbers. Like, man, I'm giving it to only got 300 people. What's up? What's going on with that? But I did a reel and initially it only got about a hundred, 150 views. And I was a little mm -hmm. bummed out because I said, man, I, I, I thought I dropped some fire. And then I went back a week later, almost 2000 views. There you go. See, and reels, I read this on an Instagram marketing video. Reels, you got to kind of let them marinate a little yes. bit because they'll watch. And that's the thing that I didn't even realize. I was like doing my first reel and I was like, oh, nobody's really going to watch this. And then I was like, 
6,000 people? What the heck? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was legitimately shocked. Like, wow, these really do gain traction. And I got so many more followers in my audience from it. Yeah. And and when you give out good information, see, that travels because, you know, I mean, I'm I'm pretty loosey goosey with it. I'll post it any time of the day. They said, "Well, you should post it this time of the day for maximal effect and optimal effect." I'm like, "Man, whatever with that." But I post whatever fits with my schedule. Right. I'm like sitting here. I'm posting there. Okay, I have time now. I'm like, yeah, and and that's and that's how I am when when I have the time to do it. Then 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 I'll do it. But let's talk briefly because we're winding down. So let's talk about your clubhouse rooms because you do some really good yeah. rooms on clubhouse. So what are your, what are your rooms on clubhouse about? Yeah. So they started off with me doing like screenwriting Q and a sessions where people would come up and they would ask me questions about their screenwriting, about their journeys, about whatever project they're working on or how they get it into the right hands when they should be worried about getting an agent. That's a question I get a lot too. Um, Also, what types of books they should get, what podcasts they should be listening to and what information they should be getting. And then also how to respond to notes because a lot of people don't know how to respond to notes either. And that's what holds them back. They think that everybody's wrong. And then it's like, no, there's something here that you need to address. And they're like, no, 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 everybody's wrong. It's like, everybody, how many people did you ask this to? Well, seven. It's like, so all seven of them are wrong? Like, (laughs) and I even had a client before, um, and she hated the idea of, revising like but if i revise i'm like if you revise you're a screenwriter Mm -hmm. real screenwriters revise they all do it like if you never revise and you say that in a room full of screenwriters they're gonna look at you like this (laughs) they're gonna be like huh So don't look at revising or revision as a failure. That's part of the game. And another thing, too, a lot of people think that screenwriting is just this instant overnight success, and it isn't. And I need to get back to doing my interviews on Instagram Live because I want my audience to see that it is a long game. It's not just, oh, I wrote one good script, boom, I'm A-list. I'm like Quentin Tarantino. I'm like, you know, one of the greats. It's not like that. And a lot of people are like, but I wrote this one script and it should be, I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. And I even tell people about me when I won that contest. I'm like, do you know how many times I revised that thing? Probably like 12 times before I sent it out. (laughs) Yeah. I was nervous yeah and and you know it took you know if wow see i'm 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 kind of speechless i'm tripping over myself (laughs) because you, you said so many things but the one thing that i take from all of that is the fact that they're not ready if you're asking certain questions what should I be reading now that there's nothing wrong with that because I'm always looking for new podcasts and, and new things to read. 
But mm-hmm. if you're asking a series of questions, then you're not ready for the one question you said that they ask you. And that is, when should I get an agent? That should be the furthest thing from your mind. Because you. <laughs> when you're talking about a, well, Quentin, let's talk about Quentin Tarantino. Since we, since Quentin has come up a couple of times, it took Quentin a very long time. And nobody ever says that. They no. think he just up one day like I'm a famous successful screenwriter no he had to put work in yes he had sweat and tears I'm sure if you ask him the right questions like how was it when you were first getting started I'm sure he would talk about it all the rejections the setbacks Mm -hmm. the failures because successful people they fail a lot but the thing about them is they don't give up they keep going with enthusiasm and that's how you have to be. Yeah, you. it took me 20 years to become an overnight success, as a lot of them say. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. if if your mindset is I'm going to I'm going to write this script and it's going to be a hit. Now, there have been rarities where that has actually happened. Very, 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 very rare. Very it's like rare. A, it's like a, a Kobe Bryant and a LeBron James going to the NBA out of high school. Look how many players mm-hmm. don't do that. Just if, if if you're a sports fan, just look at the amount of, of players that that go to college for four years and still don't make it. So those two were just rarities and phenoms. Very mm-hmm. rare. So if you are the person with that type of mindset, you need to get rid of it. Because it hinders you from doing the real work. And I actually had a gentleman, and it's so funny, I, I was doing um, a pop-up room just to test something out on Clubhouse the other day. And oh. I, I just it, it was just a room because I wanted to record one of the rooms that we do, and I didn't know how to do it. I said, well, let's just let me do a test room. And people ended up coming in the room. I'm like, I'm not doing anything, but they kept coming in. So it ended up turning into an hour, hour, hour and a half. They were like, hey, boy. Yeah. Like- I'm like, okay. And then they started asking questions. So the gentleman asked a question about he's a screenwriter and he was saying well how much should I sell my script for and he said this is my first script and I just started writing it I said that should be the last question you should be asking oh boy I said because you're nowhere near ready I said do you know how long it takes you to get to that point the fact that you're asking how much I should sell my screenplay for says that you are not not ready because if you were someone who had work under their belt and you've been in this lane for a while, you would have an idea. But the fact that you didn't know at all. And then when we started digging deeper, he was saying, well, this is my first this. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of, and then he, then he, then he revealed something. He said, I wrote it kind of like a novel. And all the alarm oh, bells no. started ringing. I said, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, you sat back. Oh, no. I'm saying to myself, now, wait a minute. As soon as I heard novel, I had the image of, like, block text on the page in my head. Like, oh, no. And that's what he said. He said, he said, my my, my scripts are wordy. And my friend was, was saying, this ain't a book. It's a screenplay. So... If, if that's... I've had to tell people that and right. they get offended and I'm like, no, I have respect for 
those of you that are authors, don't get me wrong, that's a craft in its own right, but it's different from a screenplay. And I've even ran into a lot of novelists who think, oh, let me run to screenwriting, it's going to be easier. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. that's a whole other medium within itself. No, because you have to take, and I love reading, you have to take an 800-page book <laughs> and condense it. So uh-huh. everything you say, it, it, I, was listening to, I was listening to something, it's the singer, K, K, K. Michelle, and oh. she was talking about the fact that you have if you to write a hit song, you have to make every word count and you got to do it in three minutes. So every single word has to count. And it's the same thing with a screenplay. So with the book, you can be very descriptive about the sunset. You could be very descriptive about, you know, the alien, you know, coming out of the spaceship. You can be very descriptive because it's 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 your mind, you know, and you want people to paint a picture. But a screenplay is going to be put up on the screen. So it's visual. They'll see it. So you don't have to explain how the alien is coming out of the spaceship. You're going to see that. So (laughs) you have to condense that description down to something less. Because I hate long descriptive paragraphs in the script. Oh, me too. I hate that. As soon as I see that, I'm like, oh, no, I got to give them a note on this. Now, talk about that really quick. I know we said we were about to go, but you know what? Hey, we got to talk about this. Okay. Big, big ass descriptions. And I'm going to say big ass descriptions. Why is that a no, no? That's a no, no, because for one a screenplay is meant for the big screen, meaning we're seeing what's happening right now in real time. It's not a novel where you have all that extra space to just be overly descriptive and say everything you want. In a screenplay, you also have to remember that one page is equal to one minute of screen time. So you don't want to have a bunch of scenes that are long and drawn out, full of description, but there's no action. And then you're going to end up losing the audience. The people are going to tune out. They're going to be like, well, nothing's really happening. I mean, it's a lovely description of the meadow with all the flowers and the sunsets with cotton candy skies and that, but nothing's happening. And 99.999% of the time, it's not going to get made because an executive is going to look at that and say, I don't have time to sit here and read this. And I know I said we were about to go, but that brings me to something else. The first 10 pages. See, we could be here all night. <laughs> the we, we, first we, 10 pages. Talk about, we got time. Talk about the first 10 pages and the yeah. importance of the first 10 pages of your script. Yeah, so the first 10 pages, that is super important. And a lot of new screenwriters don't realize that. That's why I always ask people in the beginning, okay, what does your character want? 
What is the story world? What is the inciting incident that throws that character off his center, that makes him evaluate or puts him in a bad spot? Does he lose a loved one? Does he lose a job? Does he run out of money? Is he diagnosed with a terminal illness that forces him to reevaluate his life? Is he going through a midlife crisis? Does he get cheated on like there has to be something there you know what I mean and if there's nothing there then you're gonna have nothing to go off of and there's going to be no story and if you just have the introduction of the characters and there's no inciting incident there's no conflict and you get past page 10 whoever's reading it has already checked out emotionally Mm -hmm. because I also hear this other argument from writers, too. Well, you know, it doesn't get real good until page 30. And to that, I say, so they got to wait till page 30 for them to go, ooh, okay, now it's getting good. I'm like, no, that's a bad sign. You don't ever want to tell anybody that. Especially investors. (laughs) Yeah, ever tell a person that they were like well i told you i'm like look i'm a safe but you can tell me that because i'm not the one who's gonna get it made but i'm telling you don't go into a pitch meeting and say that like ever (laughs) yeah so basically what's gonna happen the first 45 minutes we're just gonna we're just gonna coast yeah we're gonna ease you in and then minute 46 man it 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 hits the ground running (laughs) They're going to look at you and say, thank you so much, but no thank you. Because again, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) you are, look, okay, we've had a a beautiful conversation and Jessica has really shared a lot of phenomenal tips with us. But let me say this, at the end of the day, it all boils down to that money, unless you're making it yourself. Now, even if you're making it yourself, it boils down to money because I'm going to tell you something that I tell everybody else. You are a business, your film is a business, and it's a product. Mm -hmm. Your screenplay is a product, and you better treat it that way. So if you go anywhere where goods are sold, they are packaging it, they are marketing it, and they are selling it to get to you instantaneously so that when you walk in and you see it, you react to it and you say, I got to have it. But if they just put something up there that looks lackluster and mediocre and you're like, eh, I'll come back, They'll, they never sell anything. So if you're approaching your scripts this way with it gets good in minute 30, guess what? I'm, I'm clicking on something else. I'm not sitting here 30 minutes. And this is how I do when I'm judging films. See, yeah. with films, with films, you better get me in the first five minutes or I'm cutting it off. I'm cutting it. I'm sorry. I'm cutting it. I'm cutting it off because you and most people and and I'm and and, and I'm going to share a secret secret. That's how film festivals work. That's how film festivals work. If you are not catching their attention immediately, they are cutting it off and they are moving on. I hate to put it that way, but that's just the way it is. That's true. And just like with the screenplay, if you don't hook them in within the first 10 pages, they're not even going to read it. They're going to toss it. And 
even worse if if on the first page if there's typos and errors and formatting inconsistencies then they might toss it after just reading half of the first page and at that point it's already a horrible impression so let's talk about that really briefly and then we're going to really mm-hmm. wrap this up <laughs> because every time we say we're going to wrap it up something amazing comes we up and we got to talk else. about it so okay. we'll be here to midnight but talk about that First impression. No, no, no. First impression. You know what? You know what? You could actually tie that all in together. So, so yeah. yeah, Speak about formatting and first impression, and the fact that you put your name on something. And and see, this is very important that I say this: that you put your name on it, because you only get one chance to make a good impression. So, talk about formatting and the, the 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 typos and you know, the things just not being structured the proper way. And then they look and they see written by talk about that for, for, for a couple of minutes. Sure. So, and this is another thing I see too, where a lot of people, and I get it to a certain extent because we're writers, we're creative people. We love being artistic and unique, but this is like a PSA. Please do not put graphics on the title page of your script, like animations and illustrations on there. I've had so many people do that, especially when I was a judge for different competitions. And a lot of them don't even allow that anyway. And they might even disqualify you just off of that. And with that being said, you also want to pay attention to formatting. And that's why reading reading everything and proofreading it before you send it to anybody is so important. And the thing about screenplay format is it's not hard, but it's easy to make little, you know, careless mistakes with it. Like you might have a scene that's outside, but instead of exterior you put interior by mistake and that's a little thing, but if you don't catch that, people are going to go wait a minute, they're outside interior. What the heck? You know what I mean? So it's one of those little details that you have to pay attention to. And then also you want to make sure that you're not making it harder than it needs to be. Like with parenthetical direction, you're not trying to write in a language that the character might speak like you know let's say mandarin you're not trying to write the dialogue of this character who only speaks mandarin and you're not trying to write it out instead you're making it easier by putting in the parenthetical direction oh okay in chinese in mandarin subtitled that way you can still write the dialogue in english and you didn't have to give yourself a headache mm-hmm. trying to translate mandarin mm-hmm. and and translate <laughs> it wrong <laughs> exactly you may translate it wrong that i remember i talked to a writer i said now, now what language is this oh it's punjabi and i'm like okay what language they're like oh it's in an indian language i'm like here's what you do just put in Punjabi, subtitled. Oh, so I didn't have to write. No. Because <laughs> chances are the people in the room are not going to be fluent in that language and you're going to lose them with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But if you have it subtitled, they'll understand. 
and then that's a good note for production. Then they'll make sure to find somebody to portray that role who knows how to speak it fluently. Right. And that way you're not racking your brain like, okay, now I got to learn a whole other language. Because like, that can be another thing too. And then just the overall presentation. You don't want to put unnecessary stuff. Like I've seen people on the title page put their whole character list on there. And I'm like, you don't have to do that unless they, you know, unless they request it or they'll put their whole synopsis in the script and I'm like you don't have to do that either and yeah like I didn't start seeing this stuff until I really got into it and I was like okay I need to make a reel about this okay I need to make a note about this okay I'm like you guys are giving me so much material Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that's but that's that's a good thing because you know what you'll never be without a job because a lot of people need a lot of help and that's and yeah. that's okay because you know what you you want them to win. You want them to yeah. do it the right way. The right way. And ladies and gentlemen, if someone is offering you constructive critiques, please take it. It's not personal. Please. Because at the end of the day, if you listen to someone like Jessica Tanner your script is going to get optioned. Someone's going to actually want to make your script. But if you're the type of person where you're saying, well, I don't like doing rewrites. Okay, well, let's see how that works out for you. Unless you're going to shoot your own stuff and that's fine. But guess what? Even if you shoot it and produce it yourself, you still need an audience. And if your work's not good, you're not going to have an audience. So it all kind of goes right back to that. You got to have a good story. You must have a compelling story. You must have a story that hooks people, that makes someone want to sit down for 90 to 120 minutes and watch what you have written. So, Jessica, this was amazing. Where can people find you on social media? Um, They can find me on Instagram. I'm on there all the time at Jessica underscore write script. They can also follow me on Clubhouse at J write script. I try to do rooms Monday through Friday. So I might be doing one tomorrow. It really depends on my schedule. But I also have a club on there called Storytellers and Creatives. And there's so many social media platforms. Clubhouse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and on my Facebook, I have my Facebook group called Monetize Your Screenplay. All you have to do is DM me on Instagram the word monetize, and you'll be able to have full access into my group. I go live within the group, and I provide information on best ways to sell your screenplay and what makes a script, quote unquote, sellable. Okay. So now what, what's your um handle on Clubhouse? I don't think you gave that. Did you give your Clubhouse oh, on, on Clubhouse? Oh yeah, on Clubhouse it's J Wright script. Yeah, girl, you gotta give them that Clubhouse thing. That's that's <laughs> that's part of the repertoire now that you Yeah. You you uh so so what what times do you normally do your rooms? It really depends. Normally I've been doing them at nine AM Eastern just because of my 
I know. Wait, are you on the East Coast or the West Coast? Philadelphia. Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought you were in LA for some reason. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so you do 9 a.m. Eastern Eastern time? Yeah. Ooh. I used to do them at like 5 p.m. when I had more time within my schedule, but then I had to start doing them in the morning. Okay. And I was <laughs> Well, you have to do them, you know, when 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 time and your schedule permits. But yeah. you know, it is what it is. Um I I do mine um whenever I can. You know, I usually schedule yeah. it out for the weekend, but uh it is, you know, I mean, life gets in the way and when you have so many other things going on, sometimes you just have to kind of juggle your schedule. But yeah. Jessica, this was awesome. I would like thank to thank you. you for joining me on a conversation with and ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. If you are a screenwriter, please share this with your screenwriting friends. Please follow Jessica on all of her platforms. You now have no excuse saying that I don't know where to get good and phenomenal information because this young lady has shared it with you. And if you, for some reason, don't remember any of the platforms that she said that she was on, all you have to do is listen to this Facebook Live again, or <laughs> you can listen to the podcast that will be coming out in about two weeks on Apple, Spotify, Google, Breaker, Anchor, um, and five other platforms. I, I I can never remember all the platforms, but please follow Jessica on all her platforms. Make sure you join her groups. Make sure that you come into the room, um, you know, Monday through Friday on Clubhouse to get some phenomenal information and make sure you take notes. And if you go into her room on Clubhouse, please do me a favor. Come to the stage and ask a question if you have it. <laughs> If you have a question concerning screenwriting, come to the stage and ask your question because she's there because she wants to serve. And it's free. It's free. You, you ain't even got to pay for it. You know, when we're in our rooms, we're like, ladies and gentlemen, why aren't you coming to the stage? Ask a question. Ask a question. I'm that up because sometimes I'll be like. Guys, you can come to the stage and ask a question. And I've had people like, oh, I was scared to ask. I didn't want to look stupid. I'm like, no, a stupid person. Like, you're not stupid for asking a, a question. That's the mark no. of a smart person. You want to learn. That's a good thing. Yeah. And, and before we go, I'm just going to share this story. Some of the stages I'm on now, and it's a blessing. Some of the stages that I'm on now with some of the people, they charge on average, $500 an hour for consulting because they're Hollywood executives and they're sharing information and they're asking you, is it something that you need? So if you're on Clubhouse and you're listening to this podcast, I do my rooms on Sunday and I also do a room on Monday. I do my room on Sunday, go set Sunday. And then I do a room on uh, Monday, uh, Bad Bitch Club, Actors Do You Feel Stuck and You Can't Book Work. And when I can, I would go into Jessica's rooms. But now that they're nine o'clock in the morning, I can't do that right now. So when you're moving back to the evening, I'll be able to come in. But again, before we get Mine out of here. Tomorrow might be in the evening. 
it might. <laughs> I don't know if I'm available because I have to screen films. But anyway, <laughs> if you come on Clubhouse or even if you come on her Instagram live, please ask a question or leave a comment so she can get back to you. So with that, Jessica, thank you so much for joining me. We must, we must, we must, we must do this again. Yes. We must do this again. <laughs> I, I must have a follow up. And uh, thank you so much for spending a little bit of your uh, evening with me. I know you just got done. So I know you want to get off and at least relax for a little bit before you have to get up and do it all over again. Oh, no, this was great. I was looking forward to it. Me too. <laughs> me too. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it went a little later than I normally do my podcast. Normally I'm done by now, but I said, oh. I said that's so, but you know what? That's okay. Look, it's all about getting the interview and this is information that people really needed to hear. So I'm glad we were able to do it. But again, thank you so much for joining me You're on a welcome. conversation with, and you have a phenomenal evening and everyone else have a phenomenal evening and have a phenomenal the rest of your week. Peace.